Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And good morning. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller. We are Talking Money. And two weeks ago, started a discussion on retirement income. Where are some good places to get retire retirement income? What kinds of questions you should ask, especially if you're thinking about buying an annuity to, to help support your retirement income. And then we had a little hiatus last week, and Alan Cox joined me from uh, Ronald Blue Trust to talk about the new distribution rules for IRAs. Now we're back on topic, but I feel like because there's been so much going on with the stock market lately, and the volatility that's been going on. I know people are getting nervous. I met with uh, three radio listeners this week uh, talking about the potential of coming on board with uh, our local branch of Ronald Blue Trust. And, and you still get this sense of people that are, are a little nervous, a little scared about what's going on in the markets. And and I, I, I go back to, of course, I started this um, Talking Money program back in the first of 2007. And if you if your memory serves you correctly, if you go fast forward about a year and a half to 2008 is when we had the Great Recession. And during that time period is when the stock market took a big dive and we're talking 40, 50 percent downturn in the stock market. And I had just been doing this program for a few months. And so it's just like, OK, now we've got some interesting things going on in the market. And, and back then. I remember one of the comments I made several times because it was a fairly long, drawn-out process uh, was when I, I wanted listeners to tell me when the last time that the market went down like it was going, and of course much worse than it is now, when was it going, when it went down in the past, when it did not get back up to where it was before it started going down? And of course, nobody was respond to that because there has never been a time that that's happened. And, and and another analogy, I think, and this is not to to have said uh, make light of nine eleven at all, uh, but when we were going through the nine eleven September eleventh nine eleven, and uh, we were all worried about flying. Everybody was concerned, like, "Wow, it's really dangerous to fly. We don't know what the terrorists are going to be doing next." So my question then and it is now: When was it? safer to fly was it safer to fly before 9-11 or after 9-11 and and people always I, I think we felt like it was much much um, safer before 9-11 but it, it really wasn't we didn't know what was about to happen after 9-11 we put all these all these protocols in place to help make things safer so I'll ask you the same question about the stock market right now uh, is the stock market uh, less risky now or was it less risky January 1st before all this stuff started happening with the downturn of the market? Well, we're, we, markets are down somewhere in the 15, 20%, 25%, depending on the which market you're looking at. 
And that's another thing that's always interesting. People talk about the stock market. Well, the stock market has many different parts of it. And so you're talking about the international market, the, the emerging markets market, the European market, the uh, Latin market, the U.S. market. There's a lot of different markets and, and they all, you know, they go somewhat in tandem with each other. But, but there's oftentimes when there's a, a very much a divergence between the returns that those different markets will have. So I would... I, I would argue, I think very safely, that the market has there's less risk in the market now than there was January first. But it feels like you should be panicking or worried about it now. Because what are you thinking? Well, it may go down another ten percent. It may go down another twenty percent, which we can't say that it won't do that. But but what I can say, and I don't give many many guarantees on this program, but I guarantee you there's less risk in the market now than there was January first, because the market's down. So we know right now we're buying at a discount. And if you think of buying, you know, we see these closeout sales of department stores or when different uh, stores go out of business and they have these big signs that says that say uh, closeout, closing store, here's your big discounts, come on and get it. Um, although I, you know, when I go to New York, it seems like the, the stores that in New York, every time you went, the same ones were going out of business. So they had going out of business sales for years. <laughs> it was just their way of getting you in the door. But if it's a real going out of business sale, uh, you think, okay, well, it's, they're, they're dif- they've discounted things 20%, 30%. And you could go in there and get that and, and, and have a decent deal that you made. But some people don't do it and think, oh, wow, if I just wait a little longer, then what I want is going to be down 50% or 70%. Well, then, of course, you go in there and the opportunity is not there anymore. So we don't know what the opportunities are in front of us. All we know is that we're, we have a better price now than we did then. So if you have long-term money, and I'll stress that, it has to be long-term money. It's money that you're not expecting to use for at least five years and maybe longer that, that now could be a good time to invest that money. Well, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, and this was the Wall Street Journal on uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and on the front of the business and finance section, there's a headline that says, uh, Buffett buys stocks as markets fall. So the first part of the article says the stock market sell-off has been bad news for most investors, not for Warren Buffett and his team. Mr. Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has used the slump as an opportunity to increase spending on stocks, deploying tens of billions of dollars the past couple of months after ending 2021 with a near-record cash pile. So the fact that he had a near-record cash pile probably meant he had that for some period of time. So he probably did not get in as the market was going up last year, he was holding and waiting for the next opportunity to get back in. And of course he, he found that opportunity. He, at least he thinks it is. And, and Buffett's got a, a pretty good long-term record on the investment side. Don't, don't care for his politics very much, but he likes the, he's, he obviously has been uh, good at investing over the years. And so it's, it's, I remember even in 08, he was saying things like, Okay, if you want to panic and get out, that's fine. No problem. You you sell, I'll be glad to buy it from you. Because he knew he was buying. He felt like he was buying at a good price. <clears throat> Nobody knows for sure. And then Louis Navalier had a uh, blog that he put out um, on May 17th, a few days ago. And he says that we passed another market milestone last week as the NASDAQ composite fell 30% from its close last November 19th to its intraday low on Thursday, May 12th. On the positive side, our friends at Bespoke Investment Group showed that after the last eight times the NASDAQ composite has seen a 25% plus drawdown, which means it just went down that much in price, 
like it did between November 19th and May 12th, that index has risen from its eventual bottom by an average of 11% in the next three months, 20.4% within the next six months, and by an astonishing 33.5% in 12 months. Also, the average duration of the eight the past eight 25% plus drawdowns was just 161 days. The current 25% drawdown took 171 days. So we may be near the inevitable market turnaround point. So it's always interesting, and compliance always would have you do that. Say <laughs> We may be, and we think this. So nobody knows for sure that that's going to happen. But it's, I think, interesting to look back at past history to see what the market has done in past times because – I mean, every time, not virtually every time, every time the market's gone down like it has here recently, it eventually went back up and went back higher than it was before it went down. Like I, I mentioned at the very top of the, of the program today, he ends this article saying another possible sign of a possible bottom. And this is something that the average investor is not going to be picking up on. Another sign of a possible bottom is that I was informed last this is Louis Lavanier, Louis Lavanier was informed last Thursday that the biggest prime broker that caters to hedge funds is asking its clients to eliminate all their margin debt. This may explain the debt unwinding that has been hitting many leading technology stocks lately, as well as last week's dip in the cryptocurrency market, which is also heavily leveraged. In other words, once this brokered hedge fund deleveraging is complete, then the stock market could be ready to stage a huge fundamental recovery. So there's some positive signs in there to say wow so why why do brokers why does your advisor say that you should hold on and not try to to um, time this market and get out hoping that it's going to go down even further and you get back down it again the, the idea is that you can't time it no one can time it the broker doesn't have the financial advisor the investment professional the cfa Chartered financial analyst does not have a crystal ball that works. Yeah, we have a crystal ball. It just doesn't work. And nobody knows what's going to happen next. You never know if, okay, are we at the bottom, about ready to start taking off again? Are we going to at the bottom and just going to tread water here for a little bit before we go back up? Are, are we at a, at a point where it's going to keep on going down? Nobody knows that. That's why the money that you put into the market is long-term money it's not short-term money when we get back for the break i'm going to talk a little bit about just real briefly go through a piece that ron blue trust investment team put together uh, what does volatility in the equity markets mean for investors i want to hit some highlights on that of course it's that's also available if you want to get an electronic copy we've already posted this on uh, linkedin you can go to the ron blue trust linkedin site or facebook site and these have already been posted there another one about bonds should investors still hold bonds because bonds have had uh, a really tough time since the first of the year as well. Um, but we'll, we'll go over some of that in the, um, in the second uh, portion of Talking Money. We'll be right back with the second segment of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Virtually every financial services firm talks about financial and investment planning based on your goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, we can help you define your goals. And we'll do that from your personal cash flow to your income tax to your state and investments to help ensure that your decisions really do reflect your values. We incorporate biblical principles into our comprehensive financial planning approach. Our goal is to help you clarify your decision making and focus on leaving a legacy of financial, social, and spiritual capital. And whether we realize it or not, the decisions we make in life reflect our values and our priorities. Decisions we make today can have lifetime implications. There are rarely independent decisions. 
A comprehensive financial plan includes things like planning for short-term cash needs, long-term retirement, proactively minimizing debt, continually evaluating the tax consequences of your decisions, funding your child's or grandchild's education, and determining your insurance needs. No financial plan, however, is worth doing unless you actually implement your plan. Our process takes you directly from goal setting to the implementation. I think, we think, there's a good chance your financial stress level will improve when you understand how all of the components of your financial life integrate with each other and how to adjust over time. So we can guide you through a detailed plan towards sound financial decisions, wise stewardship, and a roadmap to your desired destination, a life well spent. For more information, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville or call 1-800-588-7526. Once again, that number is one 800 588-7526. Now back to more of Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 21 minutes after the hour here on Talking Money. Got a uh, text from Stan. He says, uh, hi, Mike, I'm not Mr. Buffett. So looking at putting money to work, any particular sectors, stocks, or just take advantage of the S&P uh, downturn? Thanks. Well, I'm going to answer that question, Stan. I think uh, I'm going to go through this report that that the uh, investment strategy group at Ronald Blue Trust put together that I'm looking over now. And, it, and we'll go through a few reasons why we are currently in our situation. But then it uh, at the end, it says, All right, what are some sectors to look at? And I think that'll answer your question. If not, of course, you can follow up with a, another quick text or, uh, of course, always give me a call. But uh, the the article starts off and just goes through some summaries. It's, okay, why? You know, with slowing global growth, increased volatility in equity markets was not entirely unexpected, but there are several primary contributing factors to highlight. So they go through several of them in the article at Ronald Blue Trust. Inflation, I think that's pretty obvious that we've had last year really unprecedented fiscal and and monetary stimulus a lot of money being put in the economy in in 2020 and and that's got to come with a price so when you have that much money being added to the economy then the inflation's almost sure to to happen i'm just glad we didn't have that last stimulus package which would have made things uh, even even worse and would have made president biden's um, administration look even worse um, because um of the inflation that surely soon will follow. Oh, and everybody's seen the rising interest rates because that's one of the things that has affected bonds uh, a lot. But the Federal Reserve has been increasing and said it's going to increasing, keep increasing, raise uh, the Fed funds rate until it gets up to three, three and a quarter. So we've got a little ways to go for that. And and unfortunately, I'm, I'm afraid inflation, as I mentioned uh, two weeks ago, uh, a lot of the inflation has happened because of some things that we've done to limit supply on the fossil fuel side, the the gasoline side, the oil side. When you start to uh, crimp that, then that's going to uh, supply. Of course, you had the the war that came on that uh, took Ukraine and Russia out of the picture, uh, mostly for the energy that they supply, which made that matter even worse. Uh, so I, I'm I'm still a little concerned about why they're raising interest rates. I realize inflation is going up, but there's so many other factors. That this time, I don't think raising, this is me talking, this is not the investment strategy group talking, uh, that uh, that there's other reasons that's causing the inflation that we need to work on, like the supply chain and getting things going again and finding new suppliers other than China who's uh, cracking down again because of new COVID um, uh, outbreaks in, in some areas of their particular country. But of course, rising interest rates is going to be another thing that hampers. And, and stocks, remember, stocks historically have been a good 
inflation hedge. But it initially, as it, it seems to affect stocks negatively, and then as uh, things start to settle down, the companies that start to, just like the energy companies, has been a good place to talk about sectors, a good place to put keep money because the, that's they've benefited a lot from these rising rates. And the last thing they mentioned, the Russia-Ukraine war, which I alluded to, some of the, the the article says that Russia and Ukraine are some of the world's top exporters of wheat, metals, fertilizers, and especially oil and gas. So the war is a contributor to the rising energy commodity and energy prices. Uh, but how do they compare historically? I think that's always interesting. So they uh, they say that to put the current circumstances in perspective, based on the S and P 500, the average drawdown of the 12 worst recessions is minus 36 percent. So the 12 worst recessions, the drawdown, minus 36%. The current drawdown, and this is a, a week or so old, was 13% down, which is closer to a typical drawdown in any given year, which is 14%. So typically we have some kind of downturn during the year, 10 14% that, that, that happens. And I, I don't know if, if it's just done to, to weed out and shake out the ones who are looking at the stock market as a never-ending increase and I'm going to make a lot of money in it and then it goes down and you get those people out because they get nervous and they get out and then they're not in when when the market goes back up again. But uh, they say despite average drops of 14%, annual returns are positive in 32 of 42 years. So you think about that, the returns of the stock market in, are positive in 32 intra-year intra drops of 14%. So that could be in a March, as we've had before. The annual returns are positive 32 out of 42 years. So how should an investor navigate this volatility, which is more or less what Stan was asking in his, his text question to me. First thing, how should an investor uh, react and navigate it? Stay invested. And you've heard that before. And it's really what a lot of people don't want to hear. They want to hear that, no, I want you to do something. I want you to figure out how to get around this. Well, <clears throat> because no one knows how to do that, then uh, it's best just to stay down, stay invested. So after the 12 worst drawdowns in stock market history, the stock market ended positive one year, one year later in all instances except 1933. And uh, cause so a good reminder, stocks are a long-term asset. Uh, short-term volatility has little impact on long-term returns. It's, it, when it comes back, it just comes back. So you got to keep that in mind. This is short-term volatility. But we don't know how how long this short-term volatility is going to go on. So I can be saying, yeah, you ought to get invested, and then it's down another 5% in two weeks. And say, oh, Mike Miller said on the radio we should get invested again. Now it's down some more. Well, I'm not telling you that for short-term investments that you ought to have uh, you try to put more money in there for long term i've been doing it i've been investing some more had some cash and put in had some clients with some cash we've been putting some more to work in there we don't know if it's going to go down again next year but we know it's a better price than it was before so one of the areas another one to look at stan look for value to outperform growth so when you're looking at like different kinds of mutual funds uh, you would look or different stocks individual stocks you would look at stocks that are more uh, value tilt than they are growth to it. growth Stocks have had a great run for the last 10, 12 years, maybe more. Uh, value stocks have started to come back last year or so. Uh, but in a, raising, a rising interest rate environment, uh, value typically outperforms growth. So when you're looking for a mutual fund, you find what has more value. So instead of just the S&P 500, which, of course, has value and growth built into it, you look at a large company uh, stock mutual fund that has uh, just value. They key on value stocks not growth stocks. 
S&P 500 is not a bad place. Uh, you would still be keeping a, uh, some of each. Um, and it and some of the charts I've looked at has uh, really gone down a little less than some of the other uh, indexes that uh, we look at. Um, investing, of course, the, the article goes on to say, consider investing in equities, as we said, while still elevated equity valuations, as demonstrated by the trailing P.E. ratio, price to earnings ratio, have fallen back within 20-year historical ranges. So in, for investors with excess liquidity, this might present an opportunity to reinvest. Of course, it continued to fall. Uh, we, we just never know about that. Uh, at Ronald Blue Trust, we believe in the principles of uncertainty and instability. It appears the world is bracing for a potential recession, but the economy is currently supported by strong consumers and vibrant corporations that are not overly indebted and are still enjoying high earnings. So that's a real key to where the I think this uh, recession land, if we have a recession, how the, it shouldn't be deep and it shouldn't be long because corporations are not don't have a lot of debt and, and still have high earnings. So uh, the last sentence of of uh, recommendations. So we encourage our clients to diversify and stay invested over the long term to help meet their financial goals. So that's a little update from uh, the Ronald Blue Trust Investment Strategy Group. Um, uh, if you want to copy that, just uh, send uh, an email to me, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and just put uh, investment report or something like that. And we will email you a copy of this electronic copy. And as I said, it's been posted on the Facebook and LinkedIn pages of the Ronald Blue Trust. Uh, if you're not following those particulars or uh, following uh, even my own personal page on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, that's a good place to pick up on these kinds of articles as they are posted. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is a Tennessee chartered public trust company. We can serve as trustee, backup trustee, personal representative, or what we call PR these days, or the guardian or conservator of your estate. Now, it's very important that you appoint someone you trust who really knows you and your financial situation. I think it's important to have the confidence you need to feel comfortable knowing that your estate and trust plan is carried out to reflect your goals and objectives, and the plan reflects your values. Ronald Blue Trust solutions include assistance with managing trust assets, settling your estate, and even helping with a special needs beneficiary. Those of you listening who have been the beneficiary of a trust know how important it is to choose the right person or institution to help navigate the duties as administrator of the estate or trust. It's not unusual for someone to name family members or even close friends as trustee of their personal trust. You need to be as certain as you can be that this responsibility is not going to weigh too heavy on them or their family, especially at this already difficult time. If you are dealing with challenging family dynamics or complicated family structures, or perhaps your beneficiaries will need help managing their finances, and I don't mean just the investments, but overall cash flow, tax planning, and more, or if you have some very specific wishes that you want to be sure are carried out at your death, or maybe you have a current trustee relationship, but you're unhappy with the fees or the relationship, give me a call. It's worth at least a conversation. This is Mike Miller. Call me at 800-588-7526 or send an email to mike.miller at ronblue.com. That's 800-588-7526. I look forward to speaking with you. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. We're talking a bit about the market and market updates that... Um, that our investment strategy group uh, that Ronald Blue Trust put together 
And we do have copies of that. If you want to send uh, me an email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, we'll make sure we get that to you. And, of course, you've got a general question. If you listen by via podcast, you obviously can't call in live to ask me a question, but you can always get that question to me via the website, the Talking Money Radio website. You can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question, or you can um, just send me an email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And of course, that's the place that you can go to listen to previous broadcasts. So we'll post these broadcasts sometimes next, sometime next week, and then you'll be able to listen to that. Plus, you'll be able to go back to the archives to listen to other topics you may want to get brushed up on and learn some more about. Uh, we're we are not a, a sales um, call. This is not a sales program. Uh, so we're here to educate you. We want to make sure we get the information that you want. If you listen to one of the former programs or recordings we have and you have a follow-up question on that, we'd love to have you. Love to answer questions. Love to teach. So I've um, done it on the radio and TV for years. So I'd love to have you uh, join that conversation so we can help you get to straight. There's, there are no dumb questions. Uh, there's only questions that don't get asked. And, and that's probably worst case, that you didn't ask the question and didn't um, – have the right kind of answers and didn't get the right kind of objective advice. So two weeks ago, we talked to start the conversation about retirement income and where are some good places to get that. And the very first thing I talked about, and of course, you there again, you can pick it up at talkingmoneyradio.com. It's already been posted there. They talked about uh, some, of the, some of the highlights from that program that one of the biggest, I think, biggest um, accomplishments you can do preparing for retirement is to reduce or eliminate your debt. So if you got that gone, then when things like inflation happen, you you won't be using higher valued money, more expensive money now to pay off debt that you that you really had when when prices were lower. You bought that now you're paying it back with more expensive dollars, and of course you're paying it back with after tax dollars. Uh, so it, to to be able to have the most flexibility in your retirement is to keep that debt to a minimum, a, a very very low, if not uh, gone. Even your even your mortgage, uh, if you've got a you know three percent mortgage, then yeah, you can argue that I could invest and make more than three percent over a particular period of time. Uh, I've got no problem with that, um, but you still need to remember you. St- the, the monthly payment still has to be made and all that kind of stuff. But you want to make sure you keep invested. If you've got cash sitting on the side it's and it's earning 1%, half percent or less, and those rates should start going up as the Fed fund rates increases, your money market rates and those should go up along with it. And if yours is not, then you won't do some shopping around to see where you might get some better rates. Um, but uh, if that money is only earning 1%, half percent, then even though you might have other money that's earning um, more than the 3% or whatever your mortgage is costing you, you still could be taking that money that's that's earning less than that for you and put it and pay it off that mortgage. But as long as you're still keeping a good reserve. So I think one of the, the best things to have, I mean, long-term, obviously you can make more money stocks and even in bonds, um, but having, a, depending on where you are and what stage of your life you're on, having a good chunk of just cash, even if it's hardly making anything, helps avoid you from having to to make rash decisions 
you're ready for emergencies. You're not going to have to sell some of your investments while they're down. And I think that's important when it comes to retirement income, especially when you actually start to you retire, you don't have your earned income anymore, and you're trying to live off of Social Security, pension, and your investments. So some of the things we talked about before, we talked about Social Security, we talked about pension plans, when to take it, and so forth. Uh, we talked about CDs and treasuries, uh, 10-year treasuries back up. Now we're at 3%, and I think... Uh, you know, long term, that's if you look at the historical past, recent historical past, that's that's a pretty good rate. Um, I talked about it uh, after tax, just regular brokerage accounts and your capital gains versus ordinary income. I covered all those things a few weeks ago. I touched a little bit on annuities, and and I think one of the things that I really like to caution people on, especially this in this season when you have the stocks very much uh, struggling and bonds very much struggling then it makes those annuity sales pitches sound even better. But you've got to remember that the insurance company is investing in those same things. So they're taking a hit. Now, they may say, well, your contract says, though, you'll never go below zero. But you've got to remember that with an annuity contract, what you really want to key on is not what the, the proposals are saying it could make, because that's all based on the stock market or bond market doing well. And that's what you're trying to protect against with the annuity. So you want to make sure that you're, you know what the actual guarantee is, which in the indexed annuities is usually zero. You're guaranteed to just get your money back and, and maybe not even that with some of the fees and things that are in that. So you want to be careful and understand what's going on. And, and then also be very careful. I've had this comment happen over the years. And I don't think there's a lot of difference in the structure of these indexed annuities as uh, they've tweaked them some and there's some index changes and some in changes with how they calculate the the cap rates and the index that they're using to base the the caps on um but they still typically have a an what i call an income bucket and an account value bucket so when when an insurance agent tells you that this insurance company is going to guarantee you four percent five percent six percent a a year in that account they typically, it's in these days especially, interest rates aren't that high yet. They're not talking about your account value bucket, which is your real money. They're talking about your monopoly money bucket, which is your income bucket. And you're never going to see all that money. Unless you live a long time, you're just never going to see that money. So they can increase it by 15 20 30%, 35% if they want to. But they're going to restrict how you get that money out. So you need to understand not just what is growing up. You say, well, I don't care how it's invested because they guaranteed me 6% a year. No, they didn't guarantee you 6% a year. They guaranteed you that the income bucket would increase by 6% each year. That's different than guaranteeing you a return of 6% a year because you can't just go in there and say, I want all my money. Give me all my money back. No, you can't have your money back. You have to take it out over time. So uh, a typical one that I've seen in the past says, all right, <clears throat> you, in order to, to get that uh, kind of return, you have to leave the account in there, the money in there for, for 10 years, and then you can start taking money out. And your distribution rate is going to be something like 4 or 5%. Uh, I've seen them drop down to 4% lately, but 5% if, is an easier number to understand. So we use 5%. So if you're 65 and then you take the money out, uh, you invest the money in this account, and you leave it in there for 10 years, you're now 75. 
you now can take out 5% out of this income bucket. We're not talking about your account bucket. This is the income bucket that they added all this money to. You can take 5% out. Well, at, at uh, a 6% growth, it didn't quite double during that 10 years, but it, it increased a lot. So now it generally stops going up. There are some cost of living adjustments in some of them, but they stop going up after 10 years and you start taking 5% a year. So if you start taking 5% a year out, how long does it take to get the, the account value, the, the, excuse me, the income bucket value that accumulated over that 10 years? How long does it take to get the balance that, that was there in 10 years? Well, it takes you 20 years. At 5%, you're going to get all that money back in 20 years. So I'm 75. I'll get all my money back by the time I'm 95. All right. Well, so you got to live a long time just to get that account value back. And if the money, if that account does not continue to increase in some shape or form, then your rate of return goes down every single year. There's, there's no 6%. There's no 30%. It, it, it stretched out over the year. So if somebody puts a big chunk to into your, in your income account at the, at the front end and then restricts it for 10 years, a lot depends on what else do they add to that account over the next 10 years to see what is really the present value of that income stream today. What, what am I really making out of that? And then the other question you want to ask is, what actually happens when I die? I've seen it to where it goes back, in most cases, it goes back to the account value bucket. So the account value did not grow as fast as the income bucket, but you still start taking out 5%. But that 5% is reducing your account value bucket. So that account value bucket is going to go down to zero a lot faster than the income value bucket. So when you pass away, what's left in the account value bucket is going to be a lot less than that income bucket. And that's what your your heirs get. Sometimes I've seen they'll say you're, you'll get the income bucket, but you'll have to give it to the family over the next five years. So that's that's at least better. You at least get something out of it. But please understand what's what's going on behind the scenes. They're paying these agents five, six, seven, eight, or percent or higher as a commission to come out of there. It's got to affect it somewhere. Don't just be blinded and have blinders on that says, "Well, I don't care what they pay them because I'm not paying it directly. The insurance company's paying it." Well, that for for first part is a lie. That's not you're paying it. The insurance company is only paying it to the broker because they got the money from you first. Uh, so that money's got to affect that account balance. They can't work that much magic in your account. All they're using is the, the critical mass of all these people buying policies that they say they're not going to die at the same time. They're not going to take income at the same time, and they can put out these monthly incomes for you. So just calculate how long is it going to take for me just to get my money back, my original money back. So I start this at 55, 65, whatever it is, and here's what you guarantee me to get back out of it. Not what you're projecting based on the stock market because I'm not buying your investment for the stock market because you're going to cap it. And you're not going to give me this whole stock market return. What am I going to get and what's my family going to get when something happens to me? So really be very, very, very careful, very, very careful on the, the annuity purchases. And if you have any questions about that, look, I'm available. Uh, send me that question at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com if you're just curious about it if you have a particular contract you want looked at if you want to spend 15 minutes talking about it uh, be glad to talk through it with you the the insurance broker certainly does not want you to do that but but I'm, I'm willing to do that for you just to give you some other perspective on it and if you decide to go ahead and buy it first of all i hope you don't buy it with as much money as they want you to put into it because i've seen people that all they had was half a million dollars and then the agent was trying to get them to put all half a million dollars in there well that's that's ridiculous in my opinion you don't want to put all your eggs in any basket so be careful what how much you put in in one thing 
and then and make sure you put it in the right one. Just one last comment about this. We'll head to a break. Is that so many times you know people these agents will sell a certain thing and then three, four, or five years later they come back to the same people again and say, look, we got brand new ones, got new bells and whistles, and we're wow, these are a lot better now than they were the ones I sold you five years ago. Let's start this all over again. Say wow, well that's a good reason to say, well I'm not going to put all my money with any one agent uh, at this time. Maybe spread it out to a couple different people if you're gonna if you want to buy that kind of product, and I think you'll be better off then if 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 nothing else, don't put all your eggs in in those baskets. When we get back to the break, we'll talk a little bit about real estate, private credit, private equity that's available, gold. Uh, what uh, what's that good for? Uh, maybe even a little bit about life insurance, depending how much time we have before we have to wrap this one up. We'll be right back with the last segment of talking money. The answers to most financial questions are uncovered when you understand that there are only really five uses of money and when you know exactly how much you are spending on each of those uses. At Ronald Blue Trust, our comprehensive financial planning process helps you plan for living expenses, debt, savings, taxes, and giving. Well, let's focus on saving for retirement. Planning for retirement is much more than a magic number that answers the question most people think of retirement planning, how much is enough? You need to know the answer to that question, but other questions are important to consider as well. Questions like, how will I determine what my next chapter is? How can I use my savings and investments in a tax-efficient manner? How will inflation, investment returns, and personal decisions impact my time frame? As you approach retirement, don't look at it as an end, but rather as a beginning. We don't sell any products at Rendezvous Trust. We are fiduciaries whose only desire is to help clients be the best stewards they can be with the resources God has given them. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money because we want you to get the answers to your questions about money with no hidden agenda to sell anything. If you'd like to learn more about Ronald Blue Trust, to find out if we can help you, please call 1-800-588-7526 and tell Chelsea you heard Mike Miller talking about Ronald Blue Trust on the radio. It would be my pleasure to speak with you further. Once again, our phone number at the Greenville office is 1-800-588-7526. Now let's go back to Talking Money to answer more of your questions. Uh, eight minutes left in the program here on Talking Money. So glad you're with us. <clears throat> and if you got a question for me, I would probably at this point send it to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com instead of trying to call in uh, to uh, get and squeeze it in the last few minutes that we have. But uh, talking about retirement income options and have covered a lot of different things Got a little carried away in the annuity part there, so um, uh, went a little longer on that third segment than normal. But some other areas that I know people have some great success with is real estate. And I think you've got to be really careful with the real estate. Um, I, I know of people who have bought real estate rental income, uh, planning on getting that rental income in, and they get their first tax return and they see how much uh, they saved in taxes because the depreciation deduction that they got to take and not realizing that eventually they're going to have to pay taxes on that uh, depreciation deduction when they sell that property, unless they keep holding that property until they die. And right now you still get a step up in basis at death for that property. So you can eliminate the, the income taxes at that point in time. So I don't know how many people like that strategy to save taxes. You got to wait till you die to save it, but you still need to buy real estate with the thought of how much that property is going to go up. Uh, in in value over time, uh, but the rental income can be nice. Uh, you just have to have the other hassles. So you might have 
a good company that maybe will take over as the real estate uh, property manager and you can pay them 10% or whatever you're going to pay them and they take care of uh, all the phone calls and so forth. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, I, I hear as many cons as I do pros on real estate and the number of people who have gone back into a piece of property after someone left and they, the people just trashed the place and they had to spend so much money to get it back up to speed again to, to where they could even rent it again. Uh, so having the type of renters that you have, and if you get lucky enough to get a good renter that takes care of the place is almost as if it's their own and they do that for a long period of time, that's certainly, uh, a, a real blessing for you to, to get that. Uh, just be careful about buying the real estate and not setting money aside for the eventual repairs. The roof needs to be replaced. The HVAC needs to be replaced. The water heater, the whatever, the carpet the, as needs repainting and, um, the lawn that needs to be done, all that kind of thing that, that uh, you need to make sure that that rental income is not pure profit that you're getting in. you got to pay taxes with it. You've got to, to prepare for all these other down-the-road expenses just like uh, a, a homeowner does. Uh, so it, that eats into your net profit, and income rates are, or rental rates are going up. So it, uh, for those who already have the property, it works out to be a real uh, boom for them because they're going to make a net profit even higher because they can increase the, the market rates based on what's going on today. Um, private credit, <clears throat> I think it's another excellent way to get some money for those who are wealthier, at least have some higher net worth, let's say at least a million dollars. Uh, we can get into some private uh, credit, which is essentially loaning money on the private side. Uh, there's, there's companies that want to avoid the hassle of bo- issuing bonds, uh, the, of, of doing the things they need to do to go through a bank, and they're willing to pay a little bit more rate. So there's some really decent, I think, really good returns coming through the private credit. There's a liquidity issue with many of them. You can't just get it in and out uh, like you would a, a bond. But you're offsetting that, I think, with the extra liquidity or extra extra diversification in that particular type of asset. Uh, and then and then you want to get, because of the limited liquidity, you want to get the extra return. As opposed to annuity, let's say, that gives you limited liquidity, but you don't get the extra return for that, in, in my opinion. Uh, private equity is another one. This typically is going to be for somebody that is uh, has a higher net worth. I would say, uh, you know, a couple million, probably three to five million asset size and up. If you want to diversify away from the from the domestic stock market, it's a great way to do that. And so you're investing in these companies. There are a lot more private companies than there are public companies. So there's some opportunities there to invest in some other companies. And, and you invest still in groups of them. So a little like a mutual fund in the sense that the, the investment you make may be investing in you know 100 companies, 200 companies in this pool of investment that's going. So you're diversifying inside that pool. Uh, but then, you're, of course, you're restricted on, on uh, liquidity when you can get the money out because – Obviously, you're investing in a company. You invest in that company. You, that company wants to use that money for a long period of time to help grow the company and make it back. So, yes, there are some restrictions there. But there again, you're hoping long term with that part of your money that's in the private sector that you can leave that alone and you'll make uh, plan to make more money, at least as much as you would in the public sector, if not more, because you uh, had to put up with that uh, liquidity um issue because you can't just get the money in and out uh gold uh uh, i'm talking about physical gold here remember that's not for income so if you buy gold and and think it's for your retirement well it's not really for your retirement income because there is no there there's no income that comes from gold or even in gold stocks i mean typically the company's not paying dividends that's not that's not why you buy gold people typically buy gold because it's it's something that they 
want to have as a hedge against, they think, inflation. Uh, I'm not convinced that it's the best hedge against inflation over time because I've been in this business a long time and have seen uh, multiple times that inflation was taken off and gold didn't. I think it's more of a, a fear factor. So if you have fear then uh, about the, everything collapsing, then you say, okay, I want to buy gold. But there's always that logistical issue with gold. Um, if, if you have gold coins, you have gold bars. If, if things do come to fruition, like the person who sold you the gold or that the article you read implied was going to happen and things are just going to crash, what are you going to do with the gold? Uh, are you going to just take it down to, the, to Publix and try to buy groceries with it? Um, are you going to have to exchange it then for money? Well, then you're back right back into cash. You're not in the gold anymore. And maybe you can get more for it. But there's, there's a lot of countries in the, in the world who have had issues with their, their currencies and so forth. And the inflation has been a factor, but it hasn't, the currency has not just gone away. Uh, there was an article, Gold Code does this all the time. The headline, big headline, your IRA, 401k, or pension could be gone by tomorrow. Well, you know, it's, it's 2008. Hundreds of thousands of hardworking patriots helplessly watch 50% or more of their retirement sinks disappear overnight. Okay, well, that's such a misleading article when they talk about that because, oh, yeah, things may have gone down. But if you held on to it, you didn't lose anything. You, and you made a whole bunch more money on top of that. And to imply that gold never does that? Gold does it all the time too. It's up to eighteen hundred something now. It's been down to a thousand in just in the last several years. So yeah, it it goes up and down in, in price just like everything else uh, does. And just have to be careful with that. Uh, life insurance is another thing um, that just be careful. I think the the main reason you'd want to use life insurance in retirement is if you want to leverage your retirement funds to buy. Uh, so, something that was going to uh, pass a, a larger amount, leverage that amount to go to your heirs tax-free, and you didn't need as much of the income yourself. I think that's where life insurance, be careful just being sold life insurance because the, the tax-deferred nature of it and so forth, because uh, I think people buy a lot of that uh, uh, type of product and shouldn't and, and buy too much of it and uh, shouldn't be buying into that. Well, a lot of uh, factors on income planning for retirement. We just uh, are, are really kind of touching the surface on that. But we'd love to have your questions and love to, to, to speak with you sometime if you think we can be of some help to you. 800-588-7526 is my number at the office or send me an email at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Well, thanks for listening to Talking Money. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next time for the next Talking Money.